Hello, and welcome to this, in more ways than one, holiday edition of Mike and Mark Talk School Law. If this is your first time in joining us, uh, our goal is to spend 15 to 20 minutes talking about a legal issue that is pertinent and relevant to educators, and hopefully leaving all of you with a better understanding of the topic and being able to address relevant issues that emerge in your workplace. Uh, introductions. My name is Mike Nitty. I'm the superintendent of the Ewing Schools. I'm the educator in this buddy cop of a uh, podcast. So Mark, please take a moment and introduce uh, yourself. Mike, how you doing? Mark Sidemer. I'm a partner with Schenck Price, Smith & King here in Fall Park, New Jersey. Uh, our firm uh, specializes among many things in school law. We represent probably upwards of about 60 school districts throughout the state of New Jersey, as well as uh, independent schools. Thank you, Mark. Uh, disclaimer time, Mark. This podcast is designed to discuss and make educators aware of recent developments in school law. It is not intended to be legal advice, which can only be given after the attorney understands the facts of a particular matter and the goals of the client. All right, good topic today, Mark, as we make our way into the holiday season. We are going to talk about celebrating religious holidays in the schools. Um, at pertinent topic, you know, I think we deal with it all the time. Uh, as educators, this nexus of religious holidays and public education, often nuanced, uh, very complicated. You get these questions of what type of displays and ceremonies and recitals are allowed to take place in our schools as we navigate this holiday season. Uh, you know, key questions come up all the time. Uh, can we put a Christmas tree up in the lobby? Can we sing Oh Holy Night at the winter concert? Hey, uh, Mr. Jones, the English teacher, is wearing a sweater with Santa Claus on it. Is that allowed? Oh, okay, wait a second now. Uh, Mr. Smith, the science teacher, he actually has a sweater with a nativity scene on it. Is that okay, board attorney? So, you know, typical life in public education that we have to navigate all the time. So we're going to take some time exploring that topic, and you're going to share your legal insight on it. And if you stick around to the end credits, we're going to argue about whether or not Die Hard is truly a Christmas movie. So that'll be, if you make your way through or lengthy end credits, that, that'll be there for you. Uh, I think one of the first things to do, Mark, is for you to summarize the key legal tenets. And I know you're going to say this is fundamentally a First Amendment issue, correct? All right. Yeah, it is a First Amendment issue, Mike. Um, you know, the First Amendment to the Constitution says that Congress, and they're talking about governmental action there, shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And that's really talking about, in this particular case, the line of um, separation between church and state, that um, schools need to essentially keep religion separate and apart from what we do as part of our, our core fundamental mission. However, um, we are allowed to uh, recognize and um, celebrate the fact that there are many, many religions around the world and many, many holidays, and we would be remiss as educators by not teaching about those religions to our students. And the topic today, as you know, is how do, how do we do that without crossing that, that line between church uh, and state? And, uh, you know, I remember you told me many years ago when, when you told me, hey, you got really mad, say, don't tell me what I know or don't know, I know the law. And you also pointed out to me that case law 
is just as binding, just as powerful as any written law you can find. And that kind of shapes our decisions and actions with regard to the choices we make navigating this issue of celebrating the holidays, the holidays are here, right? But we're, we're public schools, correct, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we have, as you know, the, the plain text of the Constitution and um, our founders um, oftentimes didn't give a lot of uh, insight as to what these things meant. And they've been interpreted over the years, these clauses, primarily in this particular case by the United States Supreme Court. So that's the case law that you're talking about that really kind of expands on how something like the First Amendment and the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause is to be interpreted. Good. Now, I know when it comes to the matters, the things that always guides our decisions and our actions are what you just mentioned, the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause. And then I always find something, the interestingly named Lemon Test, you know, which, is, which we use to apply to these cases to determine whether or not it's the right thing to do or we can do it. Can you kind of touch on a little bit of what the Establishment Clause is to us as educators? Yeah, so there's a, a 1971 U.S. Supreme Court case called Lemon versus Kurtzman. Uh, it was a challenge to a Pennsylvania law that basically gave um, teachers uh, incentives uh, who worked in, in private religious schools extra money, essentially. And the question was, was that uh, an improper establishment of, of religion? Was the government giving money to fund religious causes, essentially, was the question. But what's most important about the case is that, that a test evolved that the U.S. Supreme Court developed in that case about whether uh, a particular course of action would violate the Establishment Clause. And it's a, it's a test that's used to this day, and they call it the Lemon Test. And it's got essentially three prongs to it. Um, the first is called the, the Purpose Prong. And so the, the question that's asked when you're determining whether something's constitutional or not from a First Amendment establishment point of view is, does the activity have a secular purpose, the purpose clause? Is the purpose secular, meaning non-religious in nature, okay? If so, you move on to the second prong. Is the effect prong? Is the effect one, is the effect of the activity, that is, one that neither advances nor inhibits religion? Does it advance or nor inhibit religion? And then third is called the, uh, the entanglement prong, Mike. And the entanglement prong asks whether the particular course of action uh, excessively uh, entails governmental entanglement with religion. Is what's going on here blurring the lines too much between governmental action and religion? And so you got the purpose prong, the effect prong, and the entanglement prong, otherwise known as the, the Lenin test. And that's the test that we use to determine whether something violates the First Amendment religion clause. Excellent. I think, you know, obviously this can go many different directions when it comes to, you know, religion and the schools, prayer in the schools and stuff. We're focused just on our topic on hand here, which is, hey, it's December, you know, there's Christmas, there's Hanukkah, there's Kwanzaa. What can we do in our schools? What shouldn't we do in our schools? And what do we have to be careful about? Does, does that make sense from your perspective? Yeah, that's, that's the topic of the day, exactly. Now, I think, you know, doing background, I found something that the court said, which is really interesting. And it said that are, are these holidays, even though that they may have emanated and began, they, that they have religious origins, now they clearly have religious and secular dimensions. Can you explain what that means and how it impacts us as educators? 
Yeah, I think the, the purpose of what you're saying, and it's true, is that a lot of holidays now, you look at Christmas, you look at Hanukkah, probably even Kwanzaa to some degree, not only do they have religious significance to the various religions, but they've got cultural significance now, they've got national significance. We don't always think of these holidays in a religious context. You know, you got Frosty the Snowman, you got the game of dreidel, um, you know, you got the, the, the Kwanzaa uh, candelabra and that sort of thing. So not only do they have certainly religious connotations, but they're also non-religious in nature as well to, today. And, and the courts recognize that. And they say, you know something, if you want to have a holiday concert that celebrates religion, celebrates all religions, it is perfectly okay to include uh, a Christmas carol in there, the song dreidel, a Kwanzaa song. But I think the rule of, of law that kind of emanated from these cases to avoid the, the excessive governmental entanglement is that it's got to kind of look at religion in a neutral way. It's got to be balanced. So you, you can't solely have religious songs from the Christian faith or from the Jewish faith or whatever. It's got to, you got to mix and match and you got to have a little bit of a balance between, between all religions. So it's more of a celebration of religion than it is the government establishing religion in the school. Yeah, I think when you look at, obviously, the symbols of the holiday season, whatever it may be, there are ones that, like you said, clearly have secular connotations, be it going from some sort of line from Frosty the Snowman to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer to Santa Claus. But then when you start seeing things like a nativity scene, or, or it then starts to get a little dangerously close, doesn't it? And I know you often say about there's no bright line when it comes to these things. You kind of want to explain your approach in that? Yeah, so even, even when you look back to that Lemon versus Kurtzman case, the, the Supreme Court said that there's supposed to be a wall of separation between church and state, but that wall is not a concrete wall, so to speak. That wall is probably a, a thin cardboard wall, and, and where the line is oftentimes is, is blurry, and nothing, nothing in the law, as you know, is, is black and white. Um, and so we have to look at each case on a case-by-case -case basis, and, and as you know, context matters. You talked about the crash before. Uh, there's another U.S. Supreme Court called Lynch versus Donnelly. It's from 1984. In that particular case, in front of a, um, it was in the state of Rhode Island, in front of I think the town hall. They had a crash, uh, but they also had a Christmas tree and Frosty the Snowman and a menorah, and they had a lot of religious displays. And there was a question about whether this particular the challenge really was to the crash, whether that was such an overtly religious symbol that it violated the Establishment Clause, and the U.S. Supreme Court in that case held it didn't. It was a balanced display. It wasn't promoting one religion over the other. Uh, nobody could say that it involved excessive governmental entanglement, and at the end of the day, because it was a display that celebrated all religions, it, it passed muster. It passed muster. But there was a case that followed, if I just can talk about one more case involving religious displays, at least in the city context, was a county, a case called City um, County of Allegheny, and the challenge in that case was they had just a crash in front of the courthouse and they held that that was improper. Just the crash in front of the courthouse was improper. So if you take that to the school context, Mike, if you want to have a Christmas tree in the lobby of one of your schools and you want to have a menorah and a Kwanzaa lamp and some other displays of different faiths, I think that that is perfectly acceptable. One religion across, only, I think that would be problematic. Yeah, that's a good point. I came across an interesting point from, from a court that said Christmas and Hanukkah are celebrated as cultural and national holidays, as well as religious ones. And there's simply no constitutional doctrine which would forbid school children from sharing in that celebration. 
provided, and this is what you alluded to, provided that these celebrations do not constitute an unconstitutional endorsement of religion and are consistent with the school's secular educational mission. Anything you'd like to add to that? I think that kind of really ties into what you were saying. Yeah, that 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 sums it up really well. Look, I mean, in, in schools, I don't have to tell you, you're the educator, I'm just the lawyer here, but in schools, you know, we teach history. As part of teaching history, we you'd be remiss if you didn't talk about religion and how religion impacts our history. Um, when we talk about art, we'd be remiss if we didn't include religious art as part of those discussions. And the same thing holds true here. If we're going to have a, a concert at holiday time that celebrates the holidays and celebrates music in general, there's nothing wrong with including religious songs as part of that, um, that exercise um, for not only, not primarily for the religious reasons, but primarily for the, for the cultural reasons, the national reasons, and probably the historical reasons as well. Okay. Um, let's kind of cut to the chase here. I'm gonna give you some questions here that could come up to, to any educator, to a principal, to a superintendent. And let's bounce some thoughts about an elementary principal comes up and says, hey, I'd like to put a Christmas tree in the main lobby just as the kids walk in. What's your advice to us? I'd say, look, a, a Christmas tree is not a, in an overtly religious symbol at all. Um, however, I would say in order to be fair and balanced about it and probably to avoid any type of challenges, I would tell him to, to make it a display about religions in general and Throw in there uh, Frosty the Snowman, uh, maybe a dreidel, a menorah, a Kwanzaa lamp, uh, as well as other religious symbols too, so that uh, it can't be seen as promoting one religion over another. All right, middle school recital. Can the middle school in its winter concert perform Oh Holy Night or Little Town of Bethlehem? Yeah, I think they could. I think they could absolutely include that. And like I said before with the religious displays, same thing. Include some songs perhaps from other faiths as well, so it doesn't look like we're endorsing one religion over another. Um, balance would be the key. And isn't the key point too is that when you have a concert, it's also the artistic value, correct? And then no say, about it. this is where from a cultural and artistic point of view, and to showcase the talents of our, our vocal performers as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think you absolutely have the right as part of that to include religious songs uh, for their cultural, artistic, as well as religious value. As that, being, that. Yeah, that being stated, if you went to a concert and it was nothing but, you know, say highly religious, say Oh Holy Night, Silent Night, Little Town of Bethlehem in a public school, that may be a bit of an issue for, say, that principal or that vocal director. Was that fair to say? Yeah, I think it would. I think that would really impact what I called the, uh, not I called, the Supreme Court called the entanglement prong of the uh, of that lemon test, where you're now starting to get too much into governmental entanglement with religion, where now you've basically created a religious concert in a school, which I think probably crosses the line in terms of that wall between separation, separating church and state. Good. Right, I'm going to put you in, in, a, in the hot seat here. All right third grade classroom, elementary school. Uh, teacher comes in two days before Christmas and has a sweater on, and on that sweater is Santa Claus. Do you have an issue with that? Not if it's ugly sweater day. Um, <laughs> that we celebrate here at my office. No, I'm, I'm just kidding about that. No, I think if, it, if a teacher wants to wear a, a sweater with Santa or a dreidel or a Kwanzaa lamp, that's, that's totally fine. It's 
I think it doesn't violate the establishment clause, and it's probably protected by the other prongs of the First Amendment as well, the free speech prongs. Um, I don't think it violates any dress codes. I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's fine. All right. How about if I'm going to push it a little bit here? What if the sweater is of a nativity scene, or it says uh, Christmas, the birthday of my Lord and Savior, and it's a third grade teacher in front of impressionable, you know, eight year olds? It's a great question. Could you have, to your point, maybe a little bit more of a captive audience of students who um, don't have the ability at that young age to kind of form their own thoughts and ideas? Um, I think at the end of the day would probably be okay. I might want to perhaps consider having a talk with the teacher to say, look, you know, you're a teacher, you're an educator, maybe your sweater may be seen as insensitive to some of the other students who, who don't celebrate that religious faith. And um, that's a good one, but I, I think at the end of the day, it would probably pass muster. It's interesting. I, I, certainly don't, I don't, certainly don't think it could be seen as an establishment of religion by the school. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. But you're definitely getting away from the secular connotations, the celebratory connotations of a holiday, you know, which has become, you know, a, a national or secular sort of uh, a pursuit and really getting into the overtly religious aspects of it in front of a captive audience of young children with the teacher, I think that's starting to, to push that, you know, like you said, that murkiness and that, that bright line there. Yeah, I mean, Mike, one of the things I didn't mention, I probably should have, is uh, a little bit more about the free exercise clause of the yeah. First Amendment. So you have the establishment clause that we talked about, but we also have the, the free exercise, which says that people can freely exercise their religious thoughts, ideas, and beliefs. And there's always that tension between the establishment clause and the free exercises clause and that sort of things. And so in the context of the teacher wearing the sweater, the teacher might argue, look, I have a free exercise right to express my religious beliefs and displays, just like a teacher could wear a cross around their neck or a Jewish star if, if they wanted to. Um, same idea. So I think you can't talk about the establishment clause without also mentioning the, the free exercise clause and how those those interplay. And that's what we're seeing in the, the Washington football coach, which could end up in front of the Supreme Court with him pushing his free exercise compared to, which is maybe a podcast for another day. Yeah, that's a great topic for a future podcast. Yeah, yeah. These are sort of things that you, you know, quite often navigate to. And, and obviously that's a, a very, you know, an intricate case, but it is certainly interesting to talk about. Yeah. So. All right. As we typically do, um, do you want to leave with any main thoughts or the most important takeaways for any educator or any school administrator watching to take back to their job and their school? I mean, I think that to, to sum it up, you're absolutely allowed to include religious displays in schools. Uh, I would try to do it in a fair and balanced way that celebrates religion and that it doesn't necessarily promote one religion or another whether we're talking about displays, holiday concerts, and that sort of thing, you know, we, we live in a society that respects and values religion to a large degree, and we don't need to divorce ourselves from that just because we're a public school district. We just have to be mindful of the constraints of the, the First Amendment, for the free exercise clause, as well as the establishment clause. Excellent points. Um, thank you very much, Mark. Um, We'll see everybody on Mike and Mark Talk School on in 2022. Uh, wonderful holiday season to, to everyone. Yeah, you too, Mark. I'm sure I'll talk to you over the next month, but 
Uh, it's always enjoyable to have these conversations. Hope everybody finds it beneficial. Likewise. Thanks, Mike. Enjoy the holiday. Yeah, man. Take care. See you next time on Mike and Mark Talk School Law.